we have a vision. We know we have to change that conversation in golf. We know that you know if we're going to reach out to new audiences, then um, you know we need to uh, adjust our product. And in fact, you know we no longer see ourselves as a, as a golf company. We see ourselves as a, an entertainment player. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to episode two of Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. On today's show, we have Michael Cole, Chief Technology Officer of the PGA European Tour and Ryder Cup. Michael has over 25 years of experience in the technology industry with a primary focus on sports, including working with organising committees of multiple Olympic and Paralympic Games. In his current role at the European Tour, he oversees all digital systems, scoring systems, technology infrastructure and data management, including official world golf rankings. I'm sure something that a lot of the, uh, the golfers out there know how important it is. In today's chat, we discuss digital transformation in the very traditional sport of golf and why he thinks it is actually a strong testbed for innovation. So much so, he's helped launch an innovation contest, giving startups the opportunity to provide solutions and connectivity and data for the European tour. We also talk about fan engagement, including giving fans access to unique or unusual content to help create an immersive experience, process of taking one-time fans into fanatics, and finally, around uh, thoughts on new players in the market, such as Top Golf. As always, I hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, then subscribe and like on your favourite podcast platform to help share the show with others. Here it is. Please enjoy. So, welcome to the podcast, Michael. Uh, it's great to have you here uh, on Sports Tech Feed. So, joined today by Michael Cole, Chief Technology Officer of um, the Ryder Cup and European Tour. Welcome, Michael. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure to be here. So... Starting off with golf, we're coming, this is recorded in the European Tour's headquarters uh, at Wentworth um, Golf Club in Surrey, a few hours from England, uh, sorry, a few, few hours from London in England, and really when a lot of people think golf, they think this, a beautiful country, country club in the rolling hills, kind of very, very gentlemanly game, not really what you'd say is at the forefront of technology. How is golf and technology related? Well, it's an interesting question, and actually what you see here at Wentworth is the way it's intended to be. Uh, golf is, is intended to be this lovely uh, green panacea, and uh, part of our challenge is how we can underpin the, the, the game, uh, the sport of golf, um, but protecting that, that element of the game. Um, it should be a wonderful environment uh, and not blighted through uh, technology. Um, but in answer to your question, there, there is a, a key role that technology plays in, in golf. If we think about uh, a regular tournament, um, it's interesting that actually we're deploying up to five physical infrastructures across every single tournament that we are responsible for. Um, that's an infrastructure for our, our tournament TV, so that's all the big screens and the little screens across the, the, uh, across the course. Um, the, the broadcast community, uh, we have up to 120 cameras. It's uh, our larger events, uh, up to 300 personnel responsible for the broadcast. They require their own dedicated infrastructure. 
we have our public Wi-Fi, absolutely critical for us, and I'm sure we'll come on to that uh, as part of the, the chat in terms of the significance of uh, the public uh, Wi-Fi. Um, for our spectators. Our scorers, they have their own dedicated infrastructure as well. Uh, and then finally, we have a, an infrastructure for operational back of house, access control for ticketing, etc. So when you think about five physical infrastructures, that requires quite a, an investment in, uh, in time and logistics uh, around technology. Uh, in fact, when we think about infrastructure, we might think about uh, fiber, um, fiber optic delivery. Uh, well, we're deploying anywhere from 60 kilometers up to 200 kilometers of fiber uh, across the golf course. Um, some of that is buried, and uh, so, uh, but a lot of it, uh, because of the temporary nature, I is overlay uh, above ground. Um, so, you know, technology has a significant role to play uh, for each in, in, in every tournament. And, uh, you know, that really, manifests in terms of that physical infrastructure um, but but also in terms of creating the content um, and, and that content is posed both uh, repurposed for uh, for the spectators on the course uh, as well as our, our broadcast as well as our TV audience around the uh, around the world and uh, and people may not realize and truly appreciate that whilst I've spoken about the physical infrastructure at those tournaments. Um, the, the, the TV broadcast is significant. We own our own uh, broadcast production, TV, uh, European tour productions. And uh, that's around about 16 to, to 18 trucks. Uh, and, and these guys are physically um, going from tournament to tournament to tournament. And that's obviously an, another thing that's unique with golf is it's not going to the same stadium where you have a set of infrastructure that's there every week, whether you're the home team or the away team, and you have that there. It is outdoors, different environments, different tournaments hosted at different clubs at different times. So it really is a new setup each time for, for kind of putting that together and then packing it down, going away, and coming, bring and delivering that that excellence that it needs to be seamless. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're, we're pretty unique in in the industry of sport for for that very reason. Um, Ninety percent of our courses are greenfield sites, and and, and we are building uh, an, an overlay um, in order to to put on the tournament. Uh, which means that we have to approach things in a very different way to a conventional um, sport. Um, you mentioned about, uh, you know, we're not a stadium. You know, absolutely not. I in fact, if you think about a golf course, it's actually 18 holes. That's 18 fields of play. Um, and, and so we have to treat each and every hole like it's a, a, a stadium in its own right. Um, put in that infrastructure that could be a grandstand, could be a hospitality pavilion, um, it could be um, big screens, could be little screens, it's scoring boards. In fact, it's all of those. Um, and, and that's quite an undertaking. So, you know, I kind of liken it in a way, it's a uh, somewhat of a uh, an oxymoron. Um, you know, there's very much an untold story of technology in golf. And I guess part of my role is actually telling that story to, to bring people into into this world to truly appreciate um, the extent of, of technology that it has to play 
uh, in this wonderful game of uh, of golf. And, and and telling that story is, is technology in golf something new, or is it more that the the way it's being used is new? I think I read somewhere that it was 1972, maybe that that scoring. The, the way it was scored was was taken electronically back then obviously you still have um you know the the, the scorecards that you fill out as you go around um but in terms of centralizing um scoring for instance incredibly you know the key part of, it, of any competition is knowing the score um that's quite old now uh is is those innovations really happening on, on things like that or is it more say the brave new world of fan engagement or is it across the board? The technology isn't new to golf in, 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 in some regards. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, we have been collecting uh, scoring stats um, since 72. Um, but in its infancy, uh, scoring was, was collected uh, tournament by tournament uh, and then it went round by round. And, and it wasn't until quite late, I think it's around about 98, 99, where we, were, we went hole-by-hole hole scoring. Um, and if you think about that in its own right, um, 156 players um, competing over 72 holes over, over four days of tournament, that equates to around about 23,000 data points. Well, that's about to change. Um, from the start of 2020, we will have our new data collection system in place uh, and we will be collecting up to 15 data points uh, on every player, uh, on every stroke and, and, and collecting that data, not hole by hole, but in real time. And that's significant. So, you know, that equates to up to 700,000 data points. And, uh, you know, that is hugely significant. So uh, for, for me, when we look at technology and the role it's played in the history of golf, it has evolved, um, but it will continue to evolve and it will continue to, to push those boundaries. To some extent, yeah, I often say golf is one of the most technical sports in the industry. And I don't mean technical as in technology per se. I mean the, the application of the rules and regulations um, the complexity with the number of players uh, and the change in formats. Uh, and, and therefore, when you look at that technicality, then it's easy to, to understand that, that actually role, uh, the, the role that technology can play within the sport because it can address that complexity through greater efficiency. Uh, and that really brings us up to why we're looking at things like innovation and running the innovation hub um, because we understand our, our challenges and, and, and we understand um, some of the issues that we have uh, and therefore you know looking at where innovation can truly lend itself to, to address those opportunities uh, is, is, is key for us. And you mentioned the innovation hub there I'll, I'll jump back into that later but just for now so uh, you were saying very rule-based, very technical um, in the extreme, I agree. I, I don't think there's any other sport that has that kind of fastidiousness and, and just, you know, for for a man or a woman hitting the ball in the hole, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes on along in, uh, in between that. Um, and one of the things around that is pace of play. So um, for the non-golfers, could you just give a bit of a, a, a description of what it means around pace of play, um, why it's an issue, and in the sense of, um, around the rules, but also why it's an issue in something that you're trying to speed it up. 
the 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 pace of play is uh, it's pretty topical at the moment and it's pretty topical amongst the players uh they get frustrated if they're being held up um unnecessarily uh by by colleagues elsewhere in in the playing field it's frustrating for spectators because they just want to see uh they just want to see action and they want to see it regularly and frequent um it's also uh i i guess a frustration for uh, the broadcasters as well because you know it's all about entertainment it's all about uh, a- attention and if if a game is being considered to be somewhat laborious then that creates issues around um, uh, engagement with fans whether those fans are watching the sport from TV whether they're on venue uh, as a spectator uh, and as I say for, for players themselves so you know we at the European Tour recognise this challenge and, and we want to be at the forefront of, of, of actually addressing uh, the, the issue that the game has and you know it, it's my belief that we can address that in a number of ways um, through better education and, uh, and understanding the rules um, but but equally technology has a key part to play in this so if we look at the conventional way that uh, the pace of play is monitored um, it's very I, I guess I bet I best describe it as being quite static um, a, a schedule is worked out um, in terms of the expected time per hole uh, and therefore, the, you know, the back nine and the front nine in terms of the, the playing schedule for each of the groups. Uh, and, and that is, um, is um, repurposed in terms of um, uh, writing it down in terms of, uh, you know, a, a playing schedule. Uh, and a referee can really only adjudicate that, that schedule or, or whether a group is on or off or in or out of position. Um, by witnessing the, what would have been the, the pin-in uh, and then doing a time check with a watch. You know, grossly inefficient in terms of truly being able to, to be proactive in yeah. terms of this and, issue. And doesn't cover the spirit of the rule, which is someone obtaining advantage from taking you know, too long or uh, to play their shot, I think is, is really where that spirit of the rule comes, is the idea that you, you, know, you need to get on with it, you can't stand there all day. And then obviously that has the impacts, uh, as we said, for, for fan engagement. So, yeah. and, and so, you know, one aspect of how we're addressing that is looking at technology and how we can provide a, a, a time stamping. So not only are we dependent now, or we're moving away from a dependency of a referee to be able to spot a, a pin and take that time stamp, but technology will now uh, enable us through Internet of Things through IoT to to actually do a hundred percent time stamping. So we're now tracking the the, the playing group. Uh, we're creating virtual gates. We can understand where that 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 group is in relation to uh, the the referee schedule, where they are in relation to the group in front. We can spot where the real issues are. We can do proactive intervention, and 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 the referees will have the metrics to um, you know to to to. to uh, uh, address the, the issue of, of, of pace if it is a real problem. Um, but we're taking it a stage further as well because it isn't just about the referees and, 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 and ensuring that the, the, the game is being played to, to the schedule. Um, it's about the players themselves and being more responsible uh, and, and almost one of self-management. And the way we're, we're creating the opportunity um, to, to empower them through that 
um, self-management is when they come into a tea box, they will see a display, and that display will be perhaps red, amber, green, uh, green of their imposition, red of their out of position, and uh, an amber of their, their borderline, uh, and also the number of minutes in terms of how far in or out of position they are. Uh, and that is pretty significant because straight away the, ref uh, the, the players, um, through that visualization, um, will we'll, we'll get the, the, the real-time uh, feedback of, of whether they're in or out of position and they can take control themselves. Yeah, Any very basic, clear way, and this is something that a lot of people um, talking about athletes and tech is let the athletes play, whatever that is, let them do it and something like that, you know, red, amber, green, it's pretty obvious. You don't need to bombard them with too much information or have someone in their ear, but it's enough for them to see what where they are um, but not break their concentration. So I think that's that's a pretty good solution, it sounds like, around that stuff. And also, as you said, 18 holes and however many players, trying to coordinate that is quite the undertaking. So something that if you don't have you know, I, Internet of Things, IoT devices uh, around the course, it, it would be very hard to basically um, coordinate all that data back into a, to a central uh, hub. Yeah. What, what is critical in this particular example is the visualization. Um, so that referees have the data um, at the fingertips at the point they need it. Um, if there is an issue, then the, the implications of that issue or that incident um, then manifest through the schedule. So everything is updated in, in real time. Um, we can keep uh, a track of, of player performance. Um, so retaining that data becomes another source of data. Uh, that in itself almost becomes a narrative as well um, for, for, for commentators, uh, et cetera, et cetera, to, to, to draw upon. Um, and you know, it, it, it's utilizing the, the technology to enable us to have um, true visibility of what's going on across the 18 fields of play and, and and using that insight and that intelligence really to address what is fundamentally part of the issue with the game, which is the pace of play. That's got to be of tremendous benefit for, for spectators, uh, for broadcasters, for the players. Um, so for us, you know, it's a wonderful example of how we're taking innovation technology and we're applying it to a real issue we have within, within the game of golf. Yeah, definitely. And you've mentioned there, uh, the viewers at home or, or the audience that's actually um, watching at the course and, and that's going to increase um, their basically enjoyment, engagement with the game. Uh, what are some other fan engagement uh, initiatives or initiatives but also areas that you would also like to see worked on? So I guess it's a two-parter there. First one is what are you working on? The second one is where would you like some more work done? Well... The way fans are consuming content now is is changing. Um, you know, we are moving away from a world whereby we can prescribe what they see and when they see it um, to a world where um, they want to be in control, they want to be in charge. Uh, and therefore, we've got to look at how we're developing um, our content model to to address that, that changing dynamic. And, and we also need to recognize that um, the, the, the content that a spectator um, expects or, or wishes to see within the venue 
may be very different to, to, to the content that uh, the armchair fan expects to see. And uh, so these are all trends that are, that are happening. And, you know, we are looking at, at how we can create a more immersive environment, giving fans access to content that is perhaps unique or, or, or um, uh, perhaps even unusual to, to some extent, and, um, and, and, and presenting it in a way that, you know, they will consume through a channel and at a time of, of their choice. So, for example, you know, we may think about uh, 360 uh, cameras within, uh, within the putting area. Um, players are always coming through um, the practice putting area and, and, and therefore given, given uh, or creating the content from that environment and making that accessible to the fans on the course uh, or the fans at home um, becomes you know, compelling. Giving them access to uh, media conferences within the, the press center. Um, you know, these are all uh, back of house, if you like, um, opportunities to, 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 to create uh, a more uh, immersive environment where, where, where fans can almost be there, but they're not. And, um, and, and through the digital platforms, it's given them the choice of accessing that, that, that content. So, you know, we are, we are looking for ideas, and I know we haven't spoken about the innovation uh, hub as yet, but, but again... Go for it, go for it. I know you're <laughs> itching too. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of cut that off there, because then I guess that leads on to my second part of the question, which is, mm. what do you want to see worked on? What, do you wanna, what initiatives do you want to be um, kind of either brought to, to yourself or, or within the organization itself. Um, and that leads to your European Tour Innovation Hub. So can you tell a, a little, little bit about that, please? The Innovation Hub is really uh, an opportunity for us to kind of put out there, if you like, the, the key issues and the challenges that we're facing. And it's a way that we wish to initiate or engender ideas to come forward. We we would like, you know, new ideas to address real issues that we're facing, real challenges that we're face, facing, and, and and we will create the platform uh, for those ideas and those concepts to really flourish, and 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 we we would do that in a way um, that you know we will assist those. Um, entrepreneurs or, or, or those um, products and services and, and we will provide a pathway um, to, to enable them to develop um, across our, our sport drawing upon you know the expertise that, that we have at the European Tour uh, but, but equally working with our uh, innovation partner in this particular respect uh, Tata Communications um, they have experience of doing this elsewhere across the sports industry, uh, and I also uh, they have they have access to uh, you know a compelling business network. So you know this is really about bringing best of breed and and, and working with some of the best uh, innovative ideas out there, and, and and working together in a way that we can develop this into a pathway to truly flourish. Yeah, and so taking taking a step back with the in innovation hub, so that's a um, a by application process so entrepreneurs young companies will come to you apply um and through that you will choose the how many how many companies or, or projects are you choosing in that 
Well, we will go through the range of, of entries and we were shortlist um, down to uh, eight to ten, uh, of which we believe are, are the most compelling ideas. Um, and from that, we will then uh, shortlist further down to, to, to three. Uh, we will invite those three uh, through what we call an immersive uh, experience uh, over two or three days. They will get access to uh, technical content experts here at the European Tour. Uh, they will get access to the expertise at, at Tata Communications and they will also get access to uh, venture capitalists as well. And, and, and through this process and, and a further uh, um, selection process through a panel of judges, uh, we will ultimately find what we're looking for in terms of the, uh, uh, the, the, the I guess a prize winner, and um, you know, which uh, which should be based around a set of criteria, uh, and then ultimately we will work with uh, that that winning idea, that winning winning concept, and uh, we will then look at how we can integrate them uh, into our um, uh, regular tournaments. We will run a proof of concept, and uh, we will then look at how we can then further develop that idea um, and integrate it into our regular tour. So that's a huge opportunity for a young company out there to really bring their ideas and, I mean, the eventual winner to have that rolled out across the European tour, um, obviously following a proof of concept. So it's a fantastic opportunity. And uh, unfortunately, we uh, applications closed just recently, didn't they? So anyone listening who's looking at doing that, um, stay tuned to it. I, I assume the plan is going off success that it would be run again. Absolutely. This is uh, something we'll be looking to repeat um, every year. Um, so if there are uh, people out there um, that uh, uh, aspire to, to, to the concept it will run in, uh, then absolutely there will be an opportunity to, to enter into the competition again next year. So why, why startups? Why, why go out into the world and, and go, hey, we want to find some young companies um, why not go to the plethora of, of existing um, products and services out there? We don't want to be necessarily prescriptive on this. Um, if there are established companies out there that believe they've got the right product or the right service um, or the right degree of expertise to, to address the challenges that we've put out, then we're open to, to, to hear from uh, those guys as well. Um, you know, this is really... Uh, a framework uh, whereby we can uh, engender um, uh, creativity and innovation um, to, to address the real issues that we have to, to come forward. Um, so whilst ideally, you know, we are looking for some of the, the young blood out there, the, the entrepreneurs out there, um, you know, we don't want to be prescriptive. Um, it's really about the right products and the right services um, that we're, we're, we're seeking. Yeah, so it's the focus on the innovation and actually putting something out there new. And if, if an incumbent wants to come in and do that, you'd, you'd kind of op welcome them with open arms. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I liken some of our technology platforms to, to being probably the ultimate in, in uh, almost R&D because um, unlike a, a football stadium, which is a, a fixed, uh, fixed asset where sometimes it can be a little challenging um, to, to apply innovation or, or uh, new technologies into that environment. Uh, we operate for, for four days at our tournaments and uh, we, we operate 46 tournaments uh, into our 2020 schedule uh, and across 
31 different countries. So it's a real opportunity to, to, to work with us in, in that creative way and, and, and to consider that actually we have this very compelling uh, innovation technological platform um, where, whereby new technologies can be uh, run as a proof of concept for a very short period of time um, and then in multiple territories. So different communities, different territories, working in different regulations under different environments. Um, you know, that's part of the, uh, I guess, what is very attractive about what we're, we're putting in place here. Definitely. So, so uh, each, each tournament is, is a sandpit in, in the way that you can test things. And my brain was like struggling. I was like, surely there's a joke about bunkers, sandpit, innovation. I couldn't get there. Anyone, if anyone's listening, let me know what pun <laughs> I should have used in the, in that point. Um, bit of a bit of a step change now. So seeing it in, I guess, golf as the big amorphous world, and and, and what you would say um, is the sport. Uh, Top golf out of the US and other and other things of its ilk, but I mean, it's it's pretty much the the biggest player in that area. Um, obviously doing some interesting things with, with tech around fan engagement and, and getting people, um, the casual golfer involved. Do you see at your end of the spectrum, which is very much the professional, um, do you see that influencing the way that people are coming to golf as a sport or uh, I guess expectations of engagement? Um, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it a, is it a nothing thing? Uh, Top Golf is a wonderful initiative and, and hugely successful, as you know, in the US and uh, where they're established in, in the UK. Um, I've experienced it myself. I'm not a golfer, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm a great uh, fan of, of the game. And uh, I go along to, to Top Golf and I think, wow, this is something really, really special. Um, and it kind of symbolizes you know, where we, as the European Tour, um, uh, need to get as well, need to get to. Um, you know, we, we have a vision. We know we have to change that conversation in golf. We know that, you know, if we're going to reach out to new audiences, then, um, you know, we need to uh, adjust our product. And in fact, you know, we no longer see ourselves as a, as a golf company. We see ourselves as a, an entertainment player. Uh, and I'm sure that's how Top Golf as well see, see themselves. Um, and, and we will change the product. Uh, in order to address that conversation, to reach out to new audiences. Um, some examples is our Hero Challenge. Um, this is our one-hole um, shootout um, that we have, uh, often precedes one of our uh, major tournaments. And this is golf under floodlights, uh, loud music, lots of food, lots of drink, uh, very much to appeal to a certain demographic. So we will align those particular um, tournaments, uh, perhaps with a, within a city centre, um, to really attract um, you know, the city workers as they're leaving uh, uh, you know, their business to, to come along and uh, to enjoy what is quite a spectacular. Um, if you take goal sixes, this is our short format version of, of the regular, more traditional game. Um, it's played over six holes. Uh, it's played over the weekend, typically, Saturday and Sunday. And again, very much to appeal to, to, to families. Um, we have our Rolex series. Um, this is our elite uh, series that we, we carve out from the, the European tour. 
uh, and very much to appeal to you know the the real fanatics of the game um, as a premium service. So you know some examples really where we are prepared to uh, to change the format to appeal to to new audiences uh, in different territories, uh, whether it be the traditional stroke play uh, or perhaps a more untraditional uh, team play. And um, so you know we're not afraid of of a championing. Um, as the uh, the brand challenger, if you like, and, and and really changing the traditional sport, we will always ensure that we maintain that traditional sport. Of course, that's really important to us. Um, but but equally, is that entertainment play? Um, we're very keen to uh, to uh, to change that 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 market concept. And that's and that's certainly something that's been seen in cricket, for instance, which you can draw a lot of parallels with golf. You know, very traditional sports. It has its long form that is sacred. You know, the the Ashes, the the um, Test match cricket, and then they've different versions. What's happening with um, uh, twenty twenty things like that? You know, appealing to to children, families, um, and technology, and and a lot of OTT uh, coming out with. Um, augmented reality stuff now as well um appealing to it so tech can enable that mm. um and i think that's that's definitely it's good to hear that that golf's doing that because the ultimate long-term survival of the sacred if you want to call it traditional formats um requires new blood to come in and, and new fans as you said in 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 a different age where fans are consuming entertainment in very different ways yeah, we 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 have the fanatical fan, and 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 these are, you know, those uh, the, those fans that that regularly play the game and and will regularly turn up to tournaments. Um, if we take something like uh, uh, the Ryder Cup, um, the the turnout for a Ryder Cup, um, typically seventy to eighty thousand people on each of the three days of, of that tournament. Now our opportunity is how we take those one time. Uh, or one day golf fans and, and, and turn them into the longer term fanatics, if you like, of golf. Um, it's really important they don't have to play the game, um, but, but equally they, it's important that they see what is special about this game. Um, they're engaged with the game and, uh, and I generally believe given uh, the accessibility that we can offer, particularly to the players, uh, you know, there's a, there's a plethora of young players coming through, uh, you know, the John Rams, uh, the Fitzpatricks of the world, uh, and they're engendering a new era. I mean, I generally believe that, you know, we are in somewhat of a, of a purple patch right now, and, uh, and golf is enjoying uh, an uptake that it hasn't seen for, for a number of years. Um, and that's been spurred on not just by the Ryder Cup, but the wonderful... Uh, WGCs and, and the uh, the majors that, that take place, and you know, and we are well positioned, really, to to, to leverage that uh, upturn in golf, um, whether that's around the transformation of global golf. But you know, one thing is for certain, you know, technology has a key role to play in that transformation of global golf. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a good point to leave it on. Thank you so much for your time. Um, today michael uh, one thing we ask all our guests is who's your favorite uh athlete or, or sports team who do you who do you support when you kind of um take off the professional uh tie you're not wearing a tie but you know you know what i mean the uh the business hat well I, there are many many sports people that um i admire but but probably one 
um, that, that sits outside of this this, this bubble of golf is, is uh, Kelly Holmes. I had the pleasure of, of working with, with Kelly uh, during the time of London 2012. And, uh, and, and it, it was at a period where Kelly was very keen to uh, transition herself away from, from sport and, and, and bring everything she'd learnt uh, into the world of business. Uh, and it was just a wonderful period of my life of spending time with Kelly. So um, she'd probably be the one or one of uh, many that, that I would like to call out as uh, uh, an aspiration. Can we just for our international um, listeners, Kelly Holmes, who's Kelly Holmes? Kelly Holmes was uh, a double medalist, a uh, gold medalist, and uh, 1,500 metres, 800 metre middle distance uh, female runner. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much again, uh, Michael, and uh, we'll uh, put your LinkedIn details on to the um, end of the podcast. So if anyone wants to get in touch, um, they can do that. Also, information about the um, Tata uh, partnership that you have with the European uh, Tour, that's also on your website. So we can put a link to that if anyone wants to look into it. Perfect. Thank you. There you have it. Episode two of Sports Tech Feed with Michael Cole, CTO of the European Tour and the Ryder Cup. Really interesting discussion there on some of the things that he's doing and, and the European Tour is doing to basically bring golf into the, into the 21st century. A lot of interesting stuff there. I'll include, um, as I mentioned in the episode, I'll include a link to the Innovation Challenge, uh, Innovation Hub that they're doing with Tata Communications in case there's any startups or any any incumbents, as, as Michael said, that uh, want to have the chance of being able to have the proof of concept and then ultimately uh, work more closely with the European Tour. As I said, please, please subscribe. Please like if you do enjoy it. Again, send us any feedback that you do have about the show. We're always trying to improve, so thomas at vumero.com or find me on LinkedIn. And next week, we've got a really interesting chat that um, I personally, out of, out of the first few episodes that we've done, was, was probably the one that I learned the most out of. Um, it's with Dr. Georgie Bruinvilles, uh, research scientist at um, Orico. So working around uh, blood biomarkers for athlete performance. So basically taking blood testing um, to the next level for the most personalized um and unique athlete performance you can, and then with a really strong focus on the uh, female athlete. So they worked closely with the US Women's National Team. Lots of stuff in that one. Uh, that'll be released next Monday. So as I said, subscribe, and you'll be the first to, uh, to hear about it. So looking forward to seeing you then. Uh-huh.